Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I was about to say, just out of sheer habit here in the Rugby Dungeon, but we're not. We're all in our independent TMO shipping containers, mine in uh, South Manchester suburb of Chilton, Phil's in the slightly leafier, slightly more suburban suburb of Sale. How are you doing, Phil? Hello, Tim. I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Um, bit surprised that we're not in person this week. But yeah. Out, <laughs> so, out of so the blue, out of the blue, JB, well, we, we both saw JB yesterday and he didn't mention anything about <laughs> at, at 4 a.m this morning he was heading to manchester airport to fly to france to go skiing for the week yeah. i mean uh, it's quite possible that he arranged that between i don't know 10 o'clock last <laughs> night and four o'clock this morning it's quite possible that he arranged that ski trip and all the logistics that went along with it but that, that is um that's peak jb right there oh it, <laughs> I, I can see just looking at it that jb has uh, just read finally read the message with all the information for this meeting. So I think we're going to be joined by him imminently. So I, I will just say at this point, I, we think there might be two podcasts, one that is international rugby focused on the six nations, which JB wants no part of <laughs> <laughs> or else if JB imminently joins us, this will be um, all matters domestic and speak of the devil. Should we, should we let him in? Let's go. Oh, ominous. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, JB. You're right. I'm all right. Um, I've got even well speaker somehow. Let's see if I can get that off. Where is your Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, JB? Set a scene. So my shipping container was delivered today to, um, uh, well, by Jet2, to Le Rosier, uh, one of the club med resorts. I've been traveling for 12 hours. I, st- I woke up at 4 a.m. to pack my bag. I had nothing packed. Got in at 1 a.m. last night. Packed at 4 a.m. Um, and it has been... A journey. The only time I've been more miserable traveling was when I went on a trip to South Africa, and I think we traveled to the site like 30 hours. So that was by far the worst 30 hours of my life. This was the second worst. But at least you got to now you're with your wonderful wife and children, and uh, you get you get to enjoy. Well, what is it? Where Where is La Rosier? I don't know this place. Uh, it's, it's, it's on a mountain in France. I literally knew nothing about it. I was just told to show up. Um, this is what my mum. This, this is what my mum love, loves to do. She loves to get get the family together. So it's very much for my mum's benefit as much as anyone else's. And there's 19 of us here on Mother's Day as well. What a wonder! What on a Mother's wonderful Day. thing! Isn't it, just, so Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Just looking on a map, you are the east um, border of France, France and uh, yes. Italy, not a million miles away from Switzerland as well. Your closest so, rugby towns are Lyon, yep. uh, Grenoble. Grenoble, where we flew into. Um, and yeah, you are quite a long way f- from anywhere further south. There, there yeah, was so Grenoble's three hours away to give you... I mean, France is massive, isn't it? It's three hours away. So we flew into Grenoble, and the only rugby player that my dad really knows from back in the day is Dean Richards. So we had some inane Dean Richards chat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do, do you know what JB obviously we've, I've already explained that this is uh, one of two podcasts and you you want no part of the uh, international rugby um, I am fascinated for people to know I know I know obviously Phil knows what happened um, 
I'm fascinated for to hear how you will explain and talk about what has happened this week. So tell us about your week, JB. Yeah. Okay. So as you all know, the Lancashire council seats were up for um, election. So one of the councillors is time limited by three terms. He served nine years there. More about him later. And the other one that just has to be re-elected after his first term of three years. So I decided to run. Now, I have considered how I'm going to phrase this. And I thought I might do like a two or three minute diatribe about it isn't sour grapes, it's about something bigger than me. No, it is sour grapes. I wanted that position. I didn't get it. And I'm not very happy, to put it mildly. Um, and I, I think there's multiple things that you have to look at here. So first, firstly, um, I just didn't work hard enough. I think that's what it has to come down to. So the votes I asked for, I got. And then I think I got a bit complacent thinking that, well, okay, I've looked at the statements. And so far, the statements look favorable to me. I mean, obviously, I wrote mine. I'm uh, biased, but just reading the statements, I thought, well, okay, if people show up to this vote and they're going off the statements, then I think I'm in with a really good chance, a really good chance. Um, the other thing you've got to remember as well is these positions are, you don't just get given them. And I don't think I took that seriously enough. So if you want to be a councillor, I think you've got to do like a decade on various Lancashire boards and sort of get groomed for the role and sort of put into it. You don't really have an outsider come in. So you've got this sort of clique of people who are necessary because without it, Lancashire doesn't run and no one else wants to be running Lancashire or any other CB for that matter. And they put in the time and they expect to get their council positions. So you combine those two things. Um, I didn't do particularly well. However, I, there, is an, there is another side to this. So the process is, the candidates submit their personal statements. Uh, you, you read mine on, on the podcast, Tim? I did. Yeah. Uh, and then these personal statements get distributed to, to the clubs. Then there is a Hustings. And in this Hustings, you... Well, what do you think would happen, happen in, in, Huston, in the Hustings? Well, I've, see, I've seen Hustings at, like, university when you go, people are going for those positions and stuff. And uh, I, I understand what a political Hustings is. So lots of questions and lots of robust debate where you work out what the differences are and what you can expect from any given candidate. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I would have thought happened. Go on, go on, Phil. I, yeah, I, I would expect something very similar. Maybe a, a brief personal statement from the candidates, some questions and answers, and a bit of debate. Yeah, so that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It was Hustings. Hustings, to me, seems pretty straightforward. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, personal statement's pretty good. Anyone who reads these four... I must be in the top two, surely. If it comes to a hustings and I have to field questions, I've got a decade of broadcast experience underneath my belt and I'm very good at debating anyway. So this shouldn't be too much of a problem, was what I thought. The actual process itself involves sending the statement out to clubs, but then the clubs have got to show up and vote in person. Now, that's not a problem per se, except for the hustings can... can contains zero debate, zero questions, zero, zero anything. In fact, the only way I, I got to speak to the room is to put my hand up and actually address the, address the room in an impromptu manner in the form of, form of a question because we weren't allowed to speak for the hustings. We weren't even allowed to answer questions in the hustings. It just went to a straightforward vote. So I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure what the point was of even having the candidates there. So surely you would have got better representation by just having an online vote. Well, this is a, it's funny you mentioned that. So, yes, a lot of CBs do an online vote now. Um, COVID obviously made that mandatory for a little while. But, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. So if you're doing it only on the statements, why on earth do people need to be there in person? Yeah, and just so I'm, there is obviously a little bit of um, information that we know that other people um, listening probably won't know, which is, JB, what was the attendance like? As in, how many votes were cast out yeah. of the eighty plus um, or hundred plus clubs in Lancashire? So I, I think Lancashire has about eighty-two clubs in gen, uh, in total, but I don't know mm -hmm. if like they're all working. So you know, for instance, like Eagle doesn't exist anymore. I, th I think Lowstock has sort of merged with Bolton. Do the prison service still have a team? I don't know. They're listed that they do, but I, I couldn't find anyone there. 
Okay. So, but out of all the clubs, less than half showed up to vote. Now, if you consider Lancashire next to someone like, um, I don't know, say Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire has 14 clubs. So when they elect their candidates, the candidate can speak to everybody and is known by everybody. And I'd be surprised if there's a single club in Buckinghamshire that does not does not put their vote in because there's only 14 of them. Now, with 80-something clubs, Lancashire is electing two councillors, but with only, well, with less than half the clubs in attendance, which I think is crazy. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like you're getting the best representation. And no. so, so roughly, how of, of those, well, if, if you've got 40 votes available, how did the vote split get done yeah. between the four individuals? So I think I got a more respectable vote tally in percentage points than actually in in person. So the votes I asked for, I pretty much got. So I only got eight votes. There's uh, The guy below me got four votes. And then the remaining two candidates who are, I think one's an ex-president and the other one is the current councillor, got the remaining like 30, they got 31 and 30 votes because one one ballot paper only voted for one guy. That could well have been me, me actually. Um, so, <laughs> like, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say exactly what happened there. Um, it, yeah, what has basically happened is people in Lancashire who run Lancashire, and I don't have a problem with this, but, but by the way, that is the system, have decided they want to keep their own people in position because everyone works hard and everyone, you know, they sort of go into these positions because they're, you know, very highly coveted and they have a lot of kudos and an awful lot of expenses, it has to be said. But on the other hand, this is not what is going to happen next with the high tackle laws, with everything else, is not representative of the clubs. And one of the things which really, really annoyed me, so the only way I got to speak to that room was by putting my hand up and said, hang on a minute, I've come this way, I want, I want to speak. And I was speaking directly in opposition to Councillor Ken Andrews' report on the high tackle situation and what he has done subsequently. And if you're ready to get angry, boys, this would be, this would be the time to sort of engage all of your, um, all, all of the anger parts of your brain because uh, it was absolutely incredible what this man had to say. He is potentially the most disingenuous, if not dishonest man I have ever, ever come across. Um, So so, so this is the outgoing councillor? This is the outgoing councillor, Councillor Ken Andrews. So he was tasked with going back to council. He stands up and he gives a speech. And in this speech, he tells us a few things. First of all, he gives us the rundown of what happened at Twickenham this weekend. Who gives a shit? We watched it on TV. Nobody cares. And then he goes, now we're going to talk about the high tackle stuff. Now, I have gone back and I've fed back your um, your feedback. Um, unfortunately, uh, what does he say? World Rugby have now intervened. And I think now World Rugby have intervened as well. That's very helpful for us. I've fed back that you were not happy with the communication. And I was like, you've got to stop there. You have to stop there. It was not the communication that was, at, at, that was at fault. It was your vote. And they can't get this through their head. So when that meeting started, the last one, about the high, with the high tackle meeting, the councillor and the RFU had already written their statement saying, we apologise for the communication. It's obviously the communication that's wrong, not the policy. Right? Nobody in that room at that time was that upset, really, with the communication. That was something which Ken Andrews invented in his head as a whole cloth and put it right at the top of his list. So he comes back and said, don't worry, I've told them that the communication wasn't great. No, it wasn't the communication. It was the fact that you made a massive, massive error. So that was the first thing. He then told so, us about so, the... Beat- sorry, sorry, just on that communication point, that is, it is like a direct copy of what of how the RFU framed it as well. Yes, it they, is. They said we're sorry. Basically, we're sorry we didn't communicate it well enough. But once once you're educated enough, you will understand exactly. that way of thinking was what their stance. Yeah, it's almost like we're sorry you feel this way, but we're doing it anyway. And once you understand it, you'll be fine. As I know, okay, so that is not the primary problem for um, for Lancashire. Uh, second of all, 
he said something along the lines of, um, sorry, I've just been distracted by people walking past. Um, yeah, no, let, let's talk, let's talk about his feedback. So I've, I've, I've given you feedback, but okay. So you give him the feedback. Now what? Well, now the laws are going to be written and the vote will be passed on the 21st of April. So there's a subsequent vote in the 21st of April where they're just going to pass the laws. So that's that. Uh, thanks. The whole room, that whole room of all those Lancashire clubs was basically against this. And they wanted it fed, uh, and they wanted it fed back. Now, we also were shouting in the room at the time, we were shouting in the room two things. Rescind the vote. Um, and also, let's have a vote. And what we mean by let's have a vote, like in this room now, let's put our hands up and see who wants this so it's binding. And the Lancashire councillors refused our vote. Ken Andrews in particular refused our vote. So he then gets to say, when I asked him directly, what have you done to persuade the other councilman to rescind this? He says, I've done nothing because I was never told to. The guy is an absolute liar. There, there, there's, there's, no, there's no other word for it. The other councillor, um, oh, Dave Clark, uh, was also complicit in this. Um, he and Ken Andrews said there's nothing we could do because we need 21 council members in order to overturn this vote. Yeah, kind of forgetting that they are two, two of the 21 and also forgetting that the staff's motion. So Staffordshire passed a motion telling their councillor that he has to go and try and persuade all the other councillors to change their vote. So if staffs can do it, why can't, why can't these do it? And the answer is because they don't want to. So in this actual meeting, uh, the only person to ask a question of any substance about this was um, the representative from Manchester. Um, he was not happy with the outcome of the answer. No one was, no one was happy with the outcome, which is the pro game will not be looked at um, for a while. Uh, so we're going to have two, two sets of rules. And despite that, all of these clubs voted for these guys to go on to council. And I don't know what Deacon's view is, but it would have been nice to have some, sorry, Deacon is the new councillor. It would be nice to have some questions. It would be nice to, it'd be nice to have some accountability. It'd be nice to know what their views are. We, we, we simply don't know. We simply have no idea how these two individuals are going to vote going forward because they've not been honest with us. Uh, I don't think the process is honest, to, to be fair. And I can't really make up my mind how this has come about because it feels to me like the Lancashire Committee are not necessarily supportive of what's going on, but they're also not challenging their council members. And I know that the general body of clubs is definitely not happy with this. Definitely. Because mm. so, last time, if, if I'm right in saying this, there was, um, you weren't aware of the councillors um, speaking to anyone in the clubs that you spoke to about... No. The vote, obviously, the vote was kind of sprung on people, but about the implications, about the the potential changes. So it yeah. was, it was never, it was never discussed. They never gauged what the reaction was. Yeah. and it sounds like you're going into the same place again with yeah, exactly right. gauging of the reaction prior to whatever's going to be implemented going forward, which we we still don't really know what is going to be no. implemented. The laws will be written now. So one of the developments was World Rugby. So Ken Andrews stood up there and he said, World Rugby have come out and they're talking about the belly tackle. Shock horror, just as the RFU representatives who came to speak to us in the high tackle symposium were talking to us about the belly tackle. And then when they realised that the room was in absolute uproar, they went, well, we don't know. So they just lied to us then as well. I mean, I don't call people people liars easily because it's a stain on their character. But these, I mean, I'm starting to think that they're just not particularly good people. I mean, I can't think anything else. They are so, so dishonest. Um, but yeah, so the belly tackle. Now, it's important, the World Rugby Intervention, because in our last meeting, Mr. Andrews was incredibly at, at, at pains to say that the RFU can't change the professional game because that's owned by World Rugby. But what we can do is influence the amateur game. And we believe that this is the best thing for the amateur game. Now World Rugby have come out and said belly tackle. They've sort of flipped that on its head and said, oh, World Rugby thing is belly tackle. So World Rugby thing that, we've, you know, we've got to comply. So which is it? Do you own the amateur game? And can you set the laws for the amateur game? Or do you have to listen to World Rugby? I know what the answer is. The answer is they're using World Rugby as cover because everybody knows with half an hour of knowledge that the members own the clubs, the clubs own the union, the unions own world rugby. They've got the ownership model back, back, back to front. But of course, they don't care. 
So they stand up and they just lie. They just lie. So, I mean, I, I think so. one of the things which have come away thinking about this is Lancashire as a county. I know these are these CBs are done geographically on counties, but I think it should be split up. North Lancashire, South Lancashire, East Lancashire. I mean, it's a massive county. And if only half, less than half the clubs are voting to get representation onto the RFU council, it tells me that this is not going well because they're not getting good, 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 good representation. Let me tell you what was of interest to Lancashire in this meeting. Of interest to for, uh, from the Lancashire board to the member clubs with the following. There are some Muslim boys that are now playing rugby and they had time to pray. I mean, that's very nice. That's great. Um, there was, we took some volunteers to Twickenham. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, I would n- never want to go to Twickenham if there was rugby in Lancashire to, to, to be played. But, you know, each, each their own. There was something something about uh, discipline and increasing amounts of racism. Uh, and there was something and something else, right? So, like, there was three sort of, like, kind of very social type issues which they want to deal with. Meanwhile, this week at level, I think, seven or eight, I think level eight, we've had four home walkovers in the ADM leagues. That was not discussed once. Player retention was not discussed once. The viability of the leagues was not discussed once. The state of the game was not discussed once. Nothing was discussed of actual substance that matters to people on, on a weekend. And this weekend, they've had ho- four home home walkovers and it's going to get worse. And they they just don't seem to care. They're, or maybe they just don't want to engage with the problem that they have. I, I, maybe that's it. Maybe they just want to turn a, a, a blind eye to this whole thing. What What's the um, the phrase that you like, JB? You can uh, you can ignore reality, but you can't, but you can't ignore the, the consequences, consequences of ignoring reality. So if, yeah. if that if that is the case that they they do want to just bury their head in the sands of it, it will catch up. But I, I, I think to... I do think it is. I, to me, there are there's probably two important issues at stake with with Lancashire here. There's obviously the the high tackle position, which is for some clubs um, very very important. Like some of the clubs that you've listed, like Oldham and Oral, who mm. um, have made statements around that they don't think they will be able to raise a team next year if if the changes as originally considered were were put forward. So there's that side of it. And then there's the the more boring, um, fundamental administrative side, which yeah. generally, and recognising the point about multiple home walkovers this weekend alone, but generally and historically, Lancashire is pretty well run, as in they've got a good uh, county team. They've, they do. Ref, referees are well organised from every grade that Lancashire operates from seniors down to... Uh, whatever the first age group is, under 12s, under 14s, are always historically strong and well-organised. And that side is probably doing well. Mm. But if the other side, um, if this looming um, issue gets bigger and bigger and bigger and engulfs the fact that, um, well, if you've got four home walkers, it doesn't matter how good your organisation of referees is because because you're not doing the, the basic fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, I can't. So they spent about, oh, must be seven or eight minutes discussing the implications of not staying in staying in the technical area during a game. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's important. I'm sure it is. But not when you've got, you know, four four games at the same level all called off on the same weekend. I mean, what is that? That is uh, that's a lot of players, 120 players without games there, minimum. Mm. Now, minimum. My, my sense of injustice with this and the bit that was sort of making my tummy churn as you were talking about it JB is it comes back to a fundamental principle as Phil talked about the administration and it's it for me it's it's the representation of it it's the fact that this appears if what you're saying is is accurate it appears to be the case that the way rugby should flow which is that every individual that pays their subs to a club in a constituent body owns the sport and through the representatives which they decide collectively who represent their views 
to the mm. RFU. That is the way that the flow I mean, chart. That's that, that's I, the way that the decisions and the way the governance of the game yeah. flows from from I the bottom. It's from the always, bottom up. Yeah, I don't think it's always quite that straightforward. I think some clubs are owned by individuals, for instance. But yeah, yes. generally speaking, the clubs own the union, own the CB, CB, or, or should I say, or the clubs own the RFU. The clubs are the RFU. Correct. They pay the RFU to do that it, stuff. The, it's in the name. It's the union. Um, yes. The Rugby Football Union. And yeah. it, 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 there appears to be, again, and this is the story I'm making up. It may not be accurate, but based on what you've said, the story I'm making up in my head is that there is a stereotypical old boys club in the Blazers passing around the fruits of, um, and I'm sure these people have worked very hard and love the game and all the rest of it. I'm not, I'm not negating that. However, there, there appears to be sort of passing the baton around between a clique of, of people yeah. who, well, I mean, who, who are well, minister. Just on Ken Andrews, I mean, the, that man is an outright liar. There is no, I mean, he might've done great things in the past. He might be a good bloke to people who have a beer with him. I don't know. But in terms of my dealing with dealings with him and on this subject, he's done nothing but lie and lie misrepresents and mislead. I mean, I, I can't talk more damning, of the man on this particular subject, I think he's been absolutely dreadful. It's in fact, it's an embarrassment how he's how he's gone gone, gone about his business. Well, or, I said the or, two, or, two I, existing councils, at least one of them showed a little bit of contrition. Uh, this uh, the other, you know, uh, they're actively re- like reveling in what's going to happen next, and it's going to be dreadful. It's going to be absolutely dreadful. Well, it'd be remiss of me in my in a sort of journalistic journalistic capacity if I didn't say, Ken Andrews, you are more than welcome to come onto the podcast because uh, oh, obviously, love it. obviously, he does not have a right of reply here. So we have. Uh, so I'll just stress this is this is JB's experience and his perspective no, on what he happened. Is, he is more than welcome. He is more than welcome. I would love, I would love nothing more than to debate this on the podcast. Give him his platform. Give him his ten, ten minutes. And then, you know, I, I don't, it, this is not about debating skill or anything. It's simply about what the facts are and, it, you know, the lies in the process. I mean, I mean we can point out point out all, all, um, all of them from the fact that, it, well, from the fact that the study was fairly flawed to the fact that the, that the numbers don't, don't add up, the fact that the, the process that the CBs followed was, you know, pretty rubbish and didn't actually put, uh, uh, consult anyone. The fact that Mr. Andrews lied to the council meeting uh, when he was, when he told, when he told us all that he was not instructed to go back and try and try and change people's minds when he was, the list goes on and on and on. It would what? be an absolute delight to have Ken Andrews on our podcast. If I can, if I can chunk it up and like just for a second, not be about the minutiae of that, but just to emphasize the point you made, as Phil said, you can deny reality. You can't deny the consequences of reality. This, what you've described, if that is the case and you were there and we got your description. And if that is the case more broadly, that there isn't this representation of the views of the people who actually put, go out and play the game every weekend in their thousands, it would, it would explain why there feels like there's a huge disconnect between the way that game is portrayed, talked about, represented, by the people that run the sport and the, and the, and we talk to people in clubhouses all the time. We talk to rugby fans. We get all the emails we get and the messages. Mm. We know how rugby fans on the ground that are playing on a Saturday at a, your average level eight club, we know how they feel. And there feels like there's a huge disconnect between the people running the sport and the people playing the sport. Yeah. And, and what you've described would, if it's, if it's true and representative across the board, it would explain why. Yeah. So that meeting, so, so when I left that meeting, I was a bit dejected. I was like, fucking hell. Uh, so, sorry, excuse me. I was like, I've just got smashed there. And there's lots of reasons why. Uh, I think I, I just didn't work hard enough, didn't understand the system enough, didn't understand that hustings didn't, meant no such thing. You know, if I'd have known that there's no debate and that actually the, the minds of the members had already been made up, you better believe that I'd be phoning up a lot more people, um, a, lot more, a lot more frequently. Um, so, you know, there are lessons to be learned from my part. But yeah, I felt really dejected that. You know, I did such a bad job. Now, as I was driving away, the closer I got to my house, I was like, I'm actually more angry now than I was before. To the point that I'm thinking, yeah, I'm definitely not playing these ch- these children's rules. I will never do that. But I might go to every single Lancashire meeting now and just make sure 
that the new councils that we have are actually going to do things which they've been told to do because I'm still a club member uh, and I can still do that. So the next big event is going to be the 21st of April and the council are going to be asked to ratify these laws. Now, here's something else for you, which I forgot to mention. Mr. Andrews stood up um, and he started saying things along the lines of the RFU are nearly at a thousand people who have filled in their consultation forms. Again, that has a hundred thousand odd players cannot find a thousand people to fill in the bloody consultation form because nobody wants anything to do with it. We've got a training course or a feedback course or something at Sedgley Park of all places where we're going to give um, a, like training about the new laws. It's not even half full. Nobody wants to know about it. So he's sort of throwing it back at us saying, um, saying things like, well, you know, if you're just engaged in the process and all they're doing is running cover, right? They want us to go and engage with this process so that they can say, oh, look, we've consulted and this is what the members say. No such thing. To the point the members don't even want to show up. They don't even want to fill in their stupid forms. And if you've seen the form from the RFU, in itself, it is an outrage. I mean, it starts with a propaganda video. I mean, it doesn't start, it doesn't start with, the act, with, with the actual data. It starts with, starts with pro- propaganda and then goes on to say things like, what, else, how, what further ca- ca- can we do to make the game safer? In other words, what else can we take away from you? So, um, yeah, there was that element too. But, yeah, driving back to my house, I was thinking, yeah, actually, I've got more of a fight for this now than I ever have before. But it's like, do I – I mean, it's going to be a long, old road, a long, old road. But the next one is, is the 21st of April. They, if they ratify these laws, that's it, game over. So I, suge- I, I guess if they don't ratify the laws, we can't implement them because they're not, they're, they're, they've not been ratified. So this might be the next big battle, is making sure that they – do not vote on the 21st of April. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mm. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out with, with that round of voting. Because it's got to be, if they're going to change it, because the, the the effect, the the season kind of ends June, doesn't it? Yeah. As in, yeah, it from July, August onwards, you'd be playing under the new rules would be the plan or new laws. Yeah. So I played yesterday. And by the way, thank you, you two, for uh, c- coming to watch the mighty Didsbury Talk H. Um, Loved it. It was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, I I always like I, I need to do it more. I always like getting down to to Tok H. Nice nice place to go, nice part of the world, and always have a, a few good beers afterwards with the boys. Wh- why though? Why can you not make the first team pitch next to the clubhouse? This Cricket is, pitch. This is a source of constant frustration, and it's one of those things that's just it's just accepted that we can't, but nobody knows why. <laughs> well, it's accepted is, it can't be done. There is a cricket green there, isn't there? Uh, I don't know. There's a second team pitch, and the second team pitch is flatter than the first team pitch. But don't, don't ask questions. It just can't be done, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Because <laughs> I would have loved to have been able to keep an eye on Blair Kinghorn's hat-trick whilst also seeing you dominate in the scrum. Although, I have to say, I I, I, did, I described the scrums as dominating, and you did. However, when, as soon as I arrived, first, it, it was a scrum, and you got pumped. Yeah, he's really good. The, um, he's playing against a young lad uh, for Sefton, and I thought he was probably one of their best, one of their best players, actually. 
Um, and then, you know, the old windy head worried him out and he was dead. <laughs> but uh, really strong young man. And I think with a bit of practice, he'll be a, a phenomenal prop. So um, they, 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 should, they should really, really, really look to look after him. There was a few right. little. There was a few lessons that um, I was reminded as well of. If you're gonna, if you're gonna chat shit about the opponents, <laughs> you've got to be able to back it up. And your left winger with a wonderful moustache and nice flowing locks and handy player as well. He uh, he he rubbed salt in the wound of a of a player who went off with a yellow card for Sefton, um, taking the Mickey as he jogged back following a, a Tok H try, and then unfortunately when he made a couple of errors during the game. Uh, the the Sefton lads were cheering like you wouldn't believe um, when he bo- when he balls up. It was funny. Well, they're a nice bunch of boys, actually, Sefton. So uh, unfortunately, they, they were going to stay for some beers, but um, the coach went early or or some some, some such thing. But yeah, I tell you what, the, the scoreline doesn't suggest that they are comp- competitive with us, but for long periods they were, and I don't think it take much. I, I think their fitness is a bit down, but other than that, they play some nice rugby. They can play. Yeah, they, they played and it was a good arm wrestle at times, but then Tok H, more clinical. Too, yeah. your, your back three's handy. Well, unless we talk about our back three this season, the better. But um, <laughs> just, on, just on the bloke that you are mentioning before, his name's Archie, and we moved him onto the wing about three weeks ago. So our team this week consisted of four scrum halves. Scrum half, a 10 at scrum half, and a 12 at scrum half, and then Archie, who's also a scrum half. And I can't help but think if we'd have found if we'd have realised he was that fast at the start of the season and started working with him, we'd have an absolute weapon on, on, on the wing there. He is rapid. He's unbelievable, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's very good. But he the Sefton boys did love it when only a few <laughs> yeah. minutes after he'd been mouthing off, he dropped the ball over the try line. Uh, if you if, if, if you dress up like Dog Tanyan to play rugby, you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta mention I just gotta mention my boys Marlow, an eighty-eight nil whopping of Thatcham. Have that oh. Thatcham clowns. Brutal. Sorry, I don't know Thatcham. I have no, no idea. <laughs> um, uh, Sedgley got a good win as well. Away at Hull. Or Hull that is a good win. Yeah, 30, 30 points to 16, maybe. Good win. Yeah. So, something sad thing about yesterday. Uh, five of our team left. Just had enough of it. Done. Is that it for, for five? Yeah, for, for, five, for five of that team. Many more in the second team. I don't know what the season's going to look like ne- next year. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, there's a lot of chat in the club. Like, oh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the, what the laws will be. I'm telling you now, it's going to be, be it's going to be the belly tackle. Well, so, so, some, someone made an interesting point. Sorry, go on, Phil. You said we were going to say. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm just going to say. Um, so, JB, that was officially your after 20 years, your last ever um, league game of senior rugby. Yeah, I was so miserable all morning. I, in fact, all week I was so miserable. I actually loved the game. The game was amazing. It's a good uh, one game. of the more enjoyable games game that I've played. had for years. Yeah, but you know, I don't. I don't feel like a player that should retire. But there's no way I'm playing kids' rules. There's no way when the pros can play their rules. Well, how can you possibly tell lads? You know, that's what you are to aspire to, but you're not allowed to play that game. I have that a massive issue with that. I have a massive issue with that. So well, there was one interesting point made on a WhatsApp group. Um, a lad with a, a team with an with an age profile, sort of in the mid twenties, early to mid twenties, and he was saying that there hasn't been the same noises about not playing. And Phil put it, you put it perfectly when we were chatting on the touchline yesterday, saying that um, it this will just speed up the retirement of a lot of people who are later in their career but it may, it may not affect so you may we may just we may have like a five year period where there's a massive hole in squads from anyone from say 28 to yeah, onwards so, yeah, I agree with you I totally agree with you so after COVID the RFU unusually for them made some good decisions well not good decisions but they were thoughtful about certain types of player that might not come back to the game and two of their three I can't remember the third but two of their three um sort of groups of players the first one were lads who basically missed two years of transition from Colts rugby to senior rugby so imagine your last game was like you're a 17 year old or whatnot playing Mm -hmm. against your mates and now you're 19 you've got to play against men that's a big problem right so Mm -hmm. they might drop out of the game that was that was one of them and the other one was guys approaching retirement do they come back now I think a lot of them have come back but when they all go my worry is that it's a compounding effect because 
uh, even did, even did, even Didsbury with all of our players. Our first team is much much older than we realise. I mean, it's a very old team now. Um, you get rid of those boys now. Hopefully, you just get new ones in, and you know everything goes forward. But if those holes are that big that you can't really replace like for like quality, it doesn't necessarily mean that the team just gets worse. It means that other lads who like playing in a good team start to get disheartened and start to step away. And I've seen this multiple times in teams where you know you take away the core of the team and then all the periphery players start drifting away. And I think that's going to be the problem for a lot of clubs because there's a few boys out there, particularly older ones, who, and we talk about it quite frequently as older players, like, you know, throughout my career, I've always prioritized rugby. I'm not sure the younger lads do. So, I mean, maybe that's a horrible generalization. Some of them do, but not to the extent that I think me and my friends did back in the day. So you get rid of the core, like the core of the core of these teams. Uh, you're going to have to think very carefully as a club, like how do you replace them? What is the offer? How many players do, do you need? What's your squad size? Can you support more than two teams or three teams? And I'm not entirely sure that people can. So that's where the problem is going to be with these older retirements. Mm. But, yeah, um, I, I tend oh. I tend to agree. No, I, I do tend to agree. And it's, it'll be interesting to see because I think the compounding effect is real. And yes, the, it is. The, the club that I think of actually is one of Cocker's former clubs, Manchester, yeah. who went from a period of time, they were <clears throat> they were always a good club. Um, and then they started paying players, which meant the lads... Me, me were, included. Cocker included. Um, Ruby podcast, uh, friend of the pod, Nick Flynn, essentially um, mm-hmm. in Manchester and Broughton Park, legend um, included, and many, many others, um, which meant that all of the lads who were kind of the young lads who'd come through and ordinarily would have made the first team no longer made the first team. And some yeah. of them dropped down to play second team, but others just went away and played first team at a slightly lower standard. So that as soon as they stopped paying players, they fell off a cliff like you've never seen. I, I played against them the year that they stopped paying players and the year after because of the restructuring of the leagues, we both went down uh, to what was then that, that one. Um and they just were in free fall for like yeah. 10 years. I think it's like five years between wins. Yeah, yeah. It might have even been more than five years between wins. They probably they probably last won in, say, 2008 or nine, and they probably didn't win until 15, 16, something like that. Yeah, because even when you're free falling through like level five, level five is no joke. It, it was I mean, level five savage. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember thinking... It was just remarkable, like genuinely remarkable that they managed to get a team out every week because yeah. they just knew for three, four, five seasons they were going to have 60, 70, 80, 90 points put on them every single week. And the fair play for the, the people who kept the club going at that time and kept turning out, kept getting a squad of 20-plus players out during that period fair play and i was exactly yeah. i was part of the compounding effect because i mean it was it was pocket money and and i went there because um my brother played there and the family had ties to the club and so i was excited to go there when i moved to manchester uh, and the fact that i was paying a few quid and it was playing a good level was just a bonus but so w- when when the the money stopped i would have carried on if enough of the lads carried on but it was it just disintegrated overnight and so i no, was one of the i was one of the people that thought Oh no, I'm not up for that fight. And you like you say, fair, fair, fair play for the guys Manchester. that did. I do remember going training at Manchester when Neil Briggs was coaching. Me and you went. Yeah, me and Tim. Well, I fell out with Broad Park, and Tim came with me to train at Manchester. I quite, I quite enjoyed it actually. But then uh, we came to, um, we came, we all kissed and made up at Broad Park, so we went back. Yeah, and that 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 ended well, and that continued, didn't it, JB? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and also, I didn't fancy going to Redroof on the weekends to get smashed. Yeah, quite. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm in a very, very dark place with rugby now. I, I, anyway, it, I, I had this conversation on the on the WhatsApp group with with us all, and I don't think that this game will even be played in five years' time. I mean, I think if it's going to be played, there's going to be a professional game and that's going to exist only in France. And that's it. Maybe a little bit in Japan. So France, Japan... Uh, I don't see how 
I, I think Ireland's decline will be slower, but it it will happen unbelievably. Um, and I don't think there's going to be anything in the UK really rugby wise at all. I don't see how it can sustain itself. Put it on the whiteboard. Five years time, yeah. Because well, let me just fl- fl- flush us out. Like the private schools are turning their back on 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 rugby, which is one of the reasons why the the high tackle law thing has been considered by England first to protect their private schools who they believe and rightly so actually provide a lot like a lot of their players this is a conversation for another time but uh, there are some serious issues with mm. school coaching and what kids have been taught about the game and all and, and all the rest of it but if that dries up that's interesting if then everything from level three is playing children's rules where is where are the players that are going to reseed the seed the English game? Because I don't think the Premiership. I think the Premiership is in it's in its it's in its death throes now. The CBC deal will make sure it dies. And you know we talk about compounding effects. Well, I just don't see who's which broadcaster is desperate to pay for the next TV deal. I mean, do you? Do you, I mean particularly when particularly when the French league is going from strength to strength. It's it's hard to see there being uh, an increase in the TV deal. There'll be another at best flat, particularly if there's particularly if there's no competition. As I mean, in there's no one a, else looking for it. Even a flat deal basically represents what a fifteen percent drop. <laughs> yeah, an eighteen percent drop. Very so we, very good point. Yeah. So you know, even if it's flat, the, you know, they're going backwards. The French are going forwards, and then if they increase the salary cap, we've already had two teams go. So do we just have like some teams which are okay and then everyone else is terrible? And then the more that England take their players away because the premiership teams become more reliant on England for funding, the worse that gets. So you don't see the mm. England players. And the England team is not exactly in rude health. It's not as if they have 15 world-class players at the moment. They've got 15 good players who are somewhere short of world-class. I'm sure you boys will get into that later. We will do. We, we will. When you can... Uh... Shortly, enjoy another apreski beer or red wine yep. or blue vine or whatever you're having, and we will go on to the our other podcast. Um, is there anything else domestic to talk about, Tim? You wanted to mention, yeah, just just Newcastle. briefly, yeah, I'll just briefly run round that. So um, Newcastle kicks off a round twenty-one of the Gallagher Premiership on Friday, and they will be doing so without Dave Walder, who has left the club. Mark Laycock has taken over, and this appears. Sorry, yeah, Mark? and this Laycock. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of Pete Lucock. I was like, he's a centre, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Laycock has uh, taken over and it, it appears to be, uh, and I'm sure when I'm asking the questions on Friday, I will I will try and get to the bottom of exactly what the reasoning was, but um, it appears to be that Dave Walder has had enough of his players being taken. He had George McGuigan leave immediately. Yep. He's now had uh, Trevor Davison depart the club with immediate effect. Uh, going to Northampton. So, I raised this on Twitter and I got a very strong rebuke from the head of media. Now, I understand media men are meant to spin the club's message, but it just looks a bit silly, really. Uh, they say that they've signed four players, therefore they've got rid of four players. I don't think they've signed equivalent players. I don't think the Davidson contract stuff has been handled well. But yeah, I noticed this, Tim, because I noticed some names popping up. So the one that I popped up was, is it Thompson, Adam Thompson or Adam Thompson? So then I, by that, I was like, who, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. And he's an ex-hooker who's now basically in charge of something quite senior in Newcastle. Um, and I think it's because, is his dad an owner or a director or something? But yeah, it's at Newcastle, because I don't really pay that much attention to them, I should do more. Um, yeah, it's all come as a bit of a shock. So they've lost their director of rugby, they've lost their head coach, they've lost some senior players. I don't think that they've replaced them. I think this is kind of... Also, from what I understand, um, they are probably going to lose Max Pepper, who is looking like he's off to one of the... Was it Guy Pepper? Clubs. Sorry, Max is, Max is his brother. Oh, or okay. if he's not his brother, they're definitely related. Guy Pepper is definitely is, is maybe definitely maybe just to just to you know balance things up. Maybe Trevor Davison's left Northampton because Carl Ferns has said he wants to convert to tight head prop. Well, quite 
well, quite um, what Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle, I think, are fairly open with saying if the Premiership splits into two, they want to be in the bottom ring of it. Uh, they're not a they're not a serious Premiership club at the moment. So you've got two teams that have disappeared, one that's shedding players. I mean, there is actually something admirable if they just can't afford to be there and they're saying, look, we're going to live live within our means. So there's nothing wrong with that. But at that point, you've got to say, okay, we're not a Premiership club, though. Yeah, and the, the ring fencing is... just doesn't work, does it? You've got to be honest with everyone. Well, that that is one of the big problems of the ring fencing. It's if you're just looking at the pounds and pence, it's um, it drives you to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. If you can yeah. keep getting the what's left of the um, all the commercial rights deals, you keep getting your X million pounds from BT Sport after CBC take their cut, um, and you don't have any minimum threshold of spend or performance and there's no consequences for finishing bottom of the league. Why, why wouldn't you just rake in 10 million pounds and only spend 5 million pounds? Yeah, exactly right. So Newcastle could effectively be turned into, I guess it's a little bit like the, um, what's it? Like the, like the, like the freeloader argument in, in economics, like well, why bother? It's just turned into a, a vessel to milk the commercial cent- central revenue if they get their salaries down low enough, because there should be a minimum spend as well as a maximum spend to make sure that you are competitive. Yeah. It's a bit like the tragedy of the commons type scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the salary cap is absolutely fine, but you know, the expectation is you need to, you need to be spending it. Mm. So yeah, that was that news. Any, any other domestic news? Uh, just the premiership rugby cup um, went to extra time. If anyone actually watched it, um, I imagine the viewing figureship was probably quite low, but uh, it was look, it was a pretty exciting game, an extra one in extra time. I've got to say, the, mm. the Premiership Cup has actually thrown up some good games mm. in recent years. So um, there's a cracking game between Worcester and Irish last year in in, in, in the semis. Uh, Sale won it the year before last, which is always great. Uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't let Tigers win it the year before that. Tom Brady with a, with, with a try in the corner. That rings a bell. The, the, ten, the tensest games that we don't get at this time, uh, at this time of year, or, or soon, the tensest games we don't get anymore are the championship playoff. Do you remember how good they were? They were bloody good. It's just a shame it was a, yeah, it it was the, so the Bristol v Worcester ones and oh. Bristol Worcester was amazing. Oh, Bristol Worcester, well, no, it was. Well, that was amazing. That was actually two of the best games of rugby of all time, actually. But um, the London Irish, the London Irish, the London Welsh surged to, to the Premiership, beating Bristol. And also, I think Cornish Pirates. Cornish Pirates, no- yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They were great. It's just a shame it was completely unviable for it was, the need to be promoted Premiership Club. Yeah, it was totally ludicrous that all the other teams are in pre season training and you don't know if you're going to get promoted or not. So you can't do your recruitment until after. No. So crazy. Classic rugby. But it's nice yes. to know the councils were doing doing their job and voting on, on, on the right structures for rugby. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not going to stop you if you if you want to stick and talk about Six Nations. You're more than welcome, JB. I have no interest in talking about any professional rugby of any type ever again, which is a problem for for a podcast. <laughs> um, time get, is... Have, we're going to have to get over this. Time is a great healer, JB. Time is a healer. I just seem to get more bitter. So it's a problem. No. So, uh, well, let... Yeah. D- well, you've, just, got, you, just, you've got you've somewhere got somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say you've got somewhere to direct your frustration between now and the twenty first of April. Um, anyway, yeah. But what were you going to well, say before you go? Yeah, before I go, I did get a phone call on Thursday, and you might not remember these guys. Um, it is the I'm going to get the name wrong. CCB Community Clubs board i think or ccu community clubs union right oh yeah. this is the initiative run by rob sigley so everyone's like huh right where are all these guys everything's gone quiet where is the vote of no confidence in the rfu executive yada 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 where are all these guys well i've got an answer to you. um they've gone quiet because there's no point in doing anything over six nations because any column inches over six nations goes to six nations Mm. so they've sort of dialed back their activity and apparently now they're going to dial up their activity because Six Nations is over and with England losing um, Bill Sweeney and co are in an even more vulnerable position so I mean I don't know I don't my initial thought is I don't like the fact that it's gone quiet to start with but if it fires up again that might be one of our last chances to watch this space and actually I like the idea of the initiative on in its own right anyway so we'll see 
Interesting. That that's interesting to hear. Mm, yes, it is. Uh, so I understand that also there'll be some they'll be running like road shows up and down the country. Um, which are not county based, but there'll be one in the northwest, one in the northeast, Midlands, uh, London, so on and so forth. Uh, there is one more thing that I, I, I want to ask JB, just because uh, firstly, let me say, fair play for having a crack. Like a lot of people mm. would have just, myself included, would just uh, suffer in silence and just be a little bit frustrated by what is all going on. So fair play for having a go. What was it like after the vote and when everything was wrapped up? Did you stick around? Did anyone nah, just, come and chat to you? I just left. I mean, the the exchange I had with Ken Andrews in the meeting itself when I tried to adjust the room was pretty tense, to be fair. And I thought that's gone. That has gone one of two ways. Um, well, gone one of three ways. I think it made no difference because everyone's made up their mind, which is exactly what I think happened. It's going to put everyone off, or I'm going to get more votes. Like there was just it was. I didn't want to stay there, to be honest. I thought these guys have just voted for the death of rugby in. In, in Lancashire and if this is repeated up and down the country we're screwed we're screwed because there's not enough time now there's not three years a lot can go wrong so what do we do next the only thing I can think of really is article I think 18.17 which means enough clubs vote so they can recall their councillor but that does feel a bit stupid when you've just had a council election mm. Yeah, that that's a bit ridiculous. If you couldn't, then, if you yeah. if you can't get the the votes to elect the right people in the first place, a few weeks later, then uh, rescinding them. Well, um, I think it's going to depend on the twenty first of April. I mean, if I if I was to do that again, two things I would well, a lot of things I would have done. If I was going to run a straight race, I would have phoned every single club. But I thought I'd, I, I was stupid. I thought I could rely on the rely on the hustings, which were non-existent. Mm. The other thing I might do is I might run, but I won't run a straight race, and instead just get because I don't want to go to Twickenham. Right? I have zero interest in going there. Right? I don't want I don't want their international tickets. All I want is their vote. So I'd be happy to say, look, I'll do your deal. Um, I mean, I can't do it now because you know they, they, they because they've called my bluff. But I've got a podcast, I've got a following, I've got these votes already in the bag. I'm happy to pull out if you declare that you're not going to, you know, you're going to do X, Y, Z. Like, not vote for this on 21st of April, not do this. You, you take a hard line. Because that's all I want. I just want mm. them not to sell out the game. They can they can keep their £30,000 worth, worth of expenses. I don't care one jot about that. I do care about what happened? What what happens to the game? And that should have been the other thing I considered, but I never, you know, I never thought that strategically at the start of it, and I should have. Mm. Um, one last one last thing for me, and um, it's a bit of a uh, shout out and thank you to everyone at Talk H because I had really good beers with the boys, in particular Lee and Daz, um, <laughs> who loved it. Both very very generous, bought a few pints, and watched the end of the. The Wales France game, which was pretty entertaining, and right. then the whole of the whole of the uh, uh, I was I had the game. I had four <laughs> pints. I, was, I had four pints before I got got out of the changing room. I got into my house at one a.m. At four a.m. I was up and I had to pack my bag. Pack my bag. Went skiing. Ridiculous. That is ridiculous. But awesome. Awesome. That's how every man should live his life. <laughs> Fortunately, you are one of a kind, JB. And and they've got enough gear in 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 this gym to do most CrossFit wads, including including a rig. Nice, that's good. Mm. You you must be in a swanky hotel. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Right, I'll leave you two to it. Good nice stuff, Jay. Cheers, All right, JB. boys, take care. And thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. If you're still listening now, it means as well. You've listened through all that. You're a you're a proper listener. Thank you. Uh, if you haven't considered and you would consider supporting the podcast, patreon.com slash eggchasers or else, just leave us a five-star review. That'd be absolutely awesome as well. And hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check out the International Six Nations Focus pod, which is in your feed now. And uh, let the boys play. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, 
edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.